With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we are going through the waiver wire ahead of Week 16. Hope you either had a first-round buy in those playoffs or hope you escaped it with a W. I know we had all sorts of COVID, all sorts of injuries, all sorts of just random F'd-up stuff going on, period. What a week, but you know what? We have watched the film. We have attempted to get better. Now we will attempt to set those waiver wires up for you guys ahead of Week 16. As always, I am joined by none other than PFF Zone, Dwayne. The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, you know, we do our Sunday night podcast. We review all these games, and there's always one real big thing that happens that we just managed to miss by a hair. But luckily, you told all listeners of this podcast for weeks to go get Ronald Jones just in case Leonard Fournette got hurt. And here we are, Dwayne. I hope they listened. Yeah, I mean, really, it's been Ronald Jones and Samaj Piran have been the two. Yeah. And so, I mean, really, both of them could end up having a role this next week. Um, and with Ronald Jones, you know, I know originally our I think our stance was he'll get the early down work, but probably won't get the long down distance or two minute offense. After watching Keyshawn Vaughn last night, <laughs> we may have to amend that or they're going to have to go sign someone else because uh, Vaughn did not seem ready for the spotlight either. Yeah, he dropped that ball, and I think uh, Collinsworth was saying, like, you know, if he dropped that pass on Thursday, Thursday Brady's probably yeah. not going to be out there on Sunday. And they cut to Brady, who was just, like, staring a hole through Vaughn's soul. So, uh, yeah, it's a fair point, uh, and we will get to that in a minute. But, again, you know, trying to uh, not only set you guys up for the upcoming week, but always in the future as well. So, Dwayne, let's kick things off with quarterback. Now, there's no bye weeks. Yeah, this is the second round of the playoffs. I would really hope most people are probably set up already fair well enough at quarterback. But hey, maybe you're not. Maybe you need a streamer. Maybe someone gets hurt between now and when you listen to this podcast. So with that said, I think the big five that are available in more than 50% of Yahoo ESPN sleeper leagues, we got Matt Ryan going up against the Lions, which I don't love. I think it's pure matchup based. I mean, between weeks 10 through 14, Matt Ryan finished as a QB 21 and the QB 33. He is the QB 11 pre-Monday and Tuesday football here in week uh, 15, but at the same time, man, just such a low floor. And yeah, I know the Lions don't have a good defense, but the Falcons don't really have a good offense. And I think the same thing is true on the other side of the ball. We have Jared Goff. He actually has shown a little bit more of a ceiling last three weeks, QB 6, QB 23, and QB 7. Again, pre-Monday and Thursday, Tuesday night football. We're recording this at 3.40 Eastern. PM on Monday afternoon. We also have Tua going up against the Saints. Saints, you know, if you look at this, the fantasy points per game this year, you'd say, okay, this is a pretty good matchup, but they also just shut down Tom freaking Brady and the Buccaneers to the tune of absolutely zero points. So if, uh, you know, Tua is standing as the QB9 this week's hold, that will be his first top 12 finish since week seven. Again, just not seeing a ton of upside. That leads me to, in my opinion, the top two streamers of the week. 
We got Jimmy G going up against the Titans on Thursday night. And really, man, he has been playing far more good football than bad ever since they got fully healthy. Jimmy G leads the league in yards per attempt at this point at 8.5. No, he's not throwing down field as much as other guys. It's not as impressive as other guys. But you know what? Style points don't matter in fantasy football. We'll take those yards anyway. They can come last three weeks, QB 12, QB 12, and QB 13 pre-Monday and Tuesday. And finally, the top ad, as he was last week, as we have not seen him play yet, so hopefully he doesn't do anything on Monday night to really make us look stupid. But it is, once again, I believe, Justin Fields going up against the Seahawks. Just way more rushing upside than anyone else that's going to be out there on the waiver wire. And he has not been playing scared really the whole year, at least in the most uh, you know recent games. He's been in league-high 10. 10.5 yard average target depth. He's rushing. He's throwing the ball downfield. And I absolutely love it. So Dwayne, I feel like it's fields above all else. And then after the teardrop, I would go Jimmy G, probably Matt Ryan, then Jared Goff, then Tua. What say you? Yeah, I think the key is just fields is above all the rest. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, the other thing I would say is if for some reason we don't have Lamar Jackson, and that's kind of the scenario I'm thinking of, right? You have potentially a playoff team that had a bye week that's got Lamar as their quarterback. I honestly would just pick up Huntley and carry him until the game over all these guys besides Fields. Like if, if I could still pick up Fields, I would go ahead. Um, but Huntley would be my number two ad, especially if you are the Lamar Jackson manager in fantasy. Um, as far as you know, the order after that, actually, I like the Jimmy G uh, at the top of the list. It's just been a look. It's still a run heavy offense, but like you mentioned, the yards per attempt are up. It's just a very efficient offense. And they seem to really be clicking, having Debo healthy, having George Kittle healthy, Ayuk out of the doghouse, and they still aren't at max strength, right? I mean, they still, you know, they're going to be better when they have Elijah Mitchell versus Jeff Wilson. So yeah, I think this order is good. Um, you know, the last three, you could probably put like, if people have a preference, like they can choose, uh, between Ryan Goff and Tua. I mean, the, the one good thing for Ryan is really the emergence of Russell Gage because when we thought that, you know, uh, well, once Calvin Ridley left, we were just like, well, wow, like he really just has two weapons. But he's really back to three again because he has Cordell Patterson. He's got, even though he hasn't been quite as active in the passing game, he's got Pitts and then he's got Russell Gage. Just to quickly sum that up, Justin Fields, number one, above all else. It's a great point on Huntley. If you do own Lamar Jackson, go ahead and scoop up Huntley as the backup for him. It does seem like Lamar is going to be back and playing. I mean, I'd be really surprised if he misses next week after, you know, seeming like he was a game time decision going into Sunday. But yeah, we have seen enough from Huntley to know that he can be an upside QB two at worst for however long Lamar is going to miss time. But assuming Lamar is back in there behind Fields, we have Jim. Jimmy G ahead of Matt Ryan, Jared Goff, and Tua. So Fields, Jimmy G, Ryan, Goff, Tua, Huntley behind Fields if you have Lamar on your team or we find out Lamar is not going to play again. Now, for the main event, Dwayne, we got some running backs to go through. Samaj Pirine is looking like a capable ad. You know, with Mixon, I haven't seen any, like, huge news on it yet. Again, after he did get hurt, though, it didn't look good at first, but he was jogging around on the sideline towards the end of the game. So it's He not was out there for part of the last two drives as well. Like, I've already looked at it. Like, I yeah. went back and looked. So he did get back on the field. My guess is he's he going to be – He got banged up twice. That's what I'm not – I'm not sure right. if he came back from the second one, but sorry. Well, I looked ahead. at the last two drives. Like I'm looking at the last two drives that the Bengals okay. had. Unless the day, unless the data is wrong. Like I show in the very in the second to last drive, he had three snaps and P Ryan had three snaps, two runs, one pass, and then the last uh, drive, which was probably just the uh, yeah, the last drive was one one play each as well. So okay. cool. 
So my guess is he <laughs> will be questionable. Obviously, we'll have yeah. to keep an eye on it. But uh, I don't know that I feel as strongly about him missing time, right, as we do some of the other guys. Great notes on that, Dwayne. And that's why I love talking to you about this on Monday when we can actually go through and clarify this stuff. So Samaj Piran, if Mixon is worse than we think, yes, he would be, you know, in a position where he could be a volume-based RB2. Chris Evans is back in action. He was out for a couple of weeks with a hamstring injury. So if Mixon and Evans were out, then we'd be looking at Piran, like maybe knocking on the door of that top 12, because who else are they going to give the ball to? Uh, but as things stand, you know, I do think Evans would be a little bit more involved in the pass game uh, and then it kind of is currently with Mixon and Piron. Uh, with that said, Dwayne, we do have two other situations where it's looking like the guys are more definitively going to be out. That is Justin Jackson with Austin Eckler, unfortunately, on the COVID list to start the week. Not being ruled out just yet. Brandon Staley said that Joey Bosa is out, but Eckler still has a chance to play. We did see... Dwayne, last week, really our best evidence yet of Justin Jackson being the preferred handcuff, though. We kind of assumed he would be, but that was more for his pass down role. I was surprised to see how involved he was on the ground in a game where they were really limiting what Eckler was bringing to the table. So in that Thursday night matchup, Justin Jackson, 56% snaps, Austin Eckler, 34%, Joshua Kelly, 16%. And to see Jackson lead the way in carries with 13, Kelly only had seven. That was surprising to me. So, you know, Dwayne, I'm still not sure if this is enough in a week with no buys where like Jackson would be inside our top 20, maybe even not top 24, but I at least do feel more confident. You know, if we do get to a situation where Eckler is out at recommending Jackson as a legit start, because again, it seems like even if it is going to be Jackson, Joshua Kelly, I would expect Larry Roundtree to be active. If Eckler is going to miss time, even if it's still a three back committee, it seems like Justin is far more established as a lead back than maybe we thought this time last week. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to use like, I don't, I feel more confident, but I'm also not like all in yeah. <laughs> on this situation just because we've seen how much they'll they'll move things around. I, I think the big thing for Jackson is he's definitely the best passing down back, so that gives him the avenue to be out there the most. But I think we could still easily see Kelly involved plenty. You could see Roundtree involved plenty. But maybe kind of like what we see with Tennessee, like 50%, you know, maybe 40 45% of the snaps, but 50% of the rushing attempts like go to – to Jackson, you know, somewhere around there. And then the other two guys split the rest. Um, but like, it's just also one of those things where would we be surprised? Like if Justin <laughs> Jackson really didn't do anything? No, that's also in the range of outcomes. So yeah, I, I think you have it broken down. Well, that's about where I would, that's about how I feel about him. RB3, not RB2. And that's okay. We can't all have great things. Justin Jackson can still be a very good fantasy asset. Also in Detroit, Craig Reynolds is getting, you know, everyone's uh, eyeballs lately. 27 touches last week. Now, this was an inexplicably awfully positive game script in that beatdown against the Cardinals. He only had 13 touches the week before against the Broncos when the Lions were more predictably beaten down and lost that game by multiple scores. So the thing with Craig Reynolds, I know he's playing well. You know, the Lions signed him the active roster. Looks like he might be on the squad through 2022. With that said, this has all been happening, not just with DeAndre Swift on, on not, he's not on IR, but he's been missing time with a shoulder injury. The bigger issue is Jamal Williams on the COVID list, uh, you know, 
and not guaranteed to come back. So if Jamal comes back, like I'm just worried about Craig Reynolds, even having this same sort of role, because before Reynolds got onto the squad, this was Jamal Williams who was playing this role. So yeah, Reynolds has been fine, but I don't know if he's been overwhelmingly good enough to just continue to keep this job. If Jamal Williams is going to come back into the fold, they signed Jamal Williams in free agency to, you know, a lofty contract. We have Craig Reynolds who let's face it is a journeyman. He's been on Washington. Washington, Jacksonville, and Detroit now in his three-year career. And before, you know, week 14, I think a lot of us, maybe even including the Lions, didn't have too much of an idea of who this guy was. So specifically, you know, he has been on the team since August. So I'm not saying he's just completely new to the situation. But Dwayne, if Jamal Williams is active, I would expect Jamal to be leading this backfield once again. Yeah, I would too. I think the real question that we don't know the answer to, and we probably aren't going to get it, <laughs> at least not like immediately, like is what do they want to do with Jamal Williams? Do they just want to, you know, not use him? Like, and just let him not play the rest of the year? Like probably what's happening with Swift. So I, you know, I, there's, a, there's a lot of unknowns, like with how they're going to handle the backfield. But the moment either one of those players is back, that's a huge knock to Craig Reynolds, you know, and his fantasy value. So um, look, I mean, you're just trying to win this week. So obviously you do what you have to do if just to give yourself a chance to have a starting running back. And right now though, I think that's all we can say Ian, is there's a chance he's the starting running back for the lions this weekend. Um, But there's no, there's nothing we can utilize that helps us say, yep, it's going to be him or not. Like it's really up to what do the lions, you know, decide to do with their other two players. All right, Jordan, you're going to have to lead this one a little bit because I can't let my bias get in the way. <laughs> Duke Johnson, 170 yeah. yards, two touchdowns on the ground, 20 as a receiver. He looked freaking good doing so. 58% snap rate. And this was with both Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ackman active. With that said, they were only allowed to come back to practice on Friday. Missed the whole bye, missed the whole uh, week leading up to this game. Dwayne, how much do you think that week 15 performance from Duke was him taking over this backfield and how much was it Gaskin and Ahmed just not being ready to go? Well, if he takes over the backfield, it would be a first for the season, like in this backfield, because like it's just, it seems to be rotating chairs every single week. We don't really have a, there's nothing, you know, we were just using the, I think we were, what was it? The odd weeks where you could play yeah. Gaskin. <laughs> now that's over. Um, my guess is Gaskin's still the lead back, Ian, like when he's fully healthy. I, again, I could, I could be completely wrong. Um, but Duke's kind of similar to Craig Reynolds. You know, it, it could be anywhere from, yeah, he's the lead back, you know, for another game to it could be, you know, he's like worst case, Duke could just be inactive. Like, I don't think it'll get that bad. My guess is he will be one of the three backs that's active moving forward. Hopefully, good grief. Like, if he didn't earn that, like, what's, you know, I don't know. Like, just don't play anymore, Duke. I would just hang him up. Like, if this, if this, you know, doesn't get you the opportunity to at least see some more snaps. So, my guess is, we're going to have to treat him more like an RB three, you know, going into the week, unless we get some sort of confirmation um, that Duke's going to lead the backfield again, it's going to, it'll be scary. You know, I, I know there, I know there are fantasy managers cause I've had some reach out to me showing me their opponents lineups that had Duke Johnson in it. You know um, I'm sorry, bad timing, like the craziness <laughs> of week 15, um, the players that went off and the players that the players that got you to championships that did not like it was really a wild. This is one of the craziest weeks I think I, I can remember ever. Yeah. Like to start a fantasy playoff season, Ian. I know. 
absolute madness. And just to quickly correct something, it's actually odd week, Miles Gaskin, even week, JD Mckissick. Super important note that is one to clarify. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, we don't want to mislead anybody. They gotta know which God week forbid, to use. Man. Gotta got <laughs> give actual information here. All right. Now for the main one, the guy's gonna be on the cover, I'm assuming, of waiver wire articles all over the industry. Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette is considered week to week with a hamstring injury, looking like at a minimum he's gonna be out this week. Quite possibly could be, you know, the rest of the regular season, depending on how things happen. Giovanni Bernard is still on the injured reserve list with that knee and hip injury. That leaves Rojo and Keyshawn Bond. Dwayne, what did you see from the utilization last night? Because, you know, as we were saying before, Keyshawn Bond didn't exactly uh, show the huge ability to be a sort of, you know, dynamic pass catcher to split this backfield. Personally, I see Rojo basically taking that Leonard Fournette role where the only time Bond might be playing is like when Geo played pure two minute comeback mode situations where let's face it, probably not going to see Tampa Bay in that situation too much with two of their final three games coming against the Panthers. Yeah. Um, with Jones, I think, you know, for now, I am going to assume that Vaughn is getting the long down and distance and the two minute offense, you know, um, he did, he did get that for the most part yesterday. Um, so I think we just, we have to assume that for now, but it is worth noting, like we said earlier, like he didn't look good, you know, in that role. So he's going to have to definitely practice better. Like he's going to have to show that he's ready for that. And if he doesn't, we could see Ronald Jones truly in like an, an every down role, um, you know, with the Bucks offense. Now, luckily, the Bucks do have some nice matchups because their offense right now, like this, it's at a low point for the season. Now, they will get Antonio Brown back, you know, next week, but you're going to be without Chris Godwin for the season. You have Mike uh, Evans probably won't be able to play. I know we'll break these guys down next, but just talking about this iteration of the Bucks offense, like they could just decide to run the ball, you know, 45, 50% of the time. They haven't done that much this year, but that could, they have a good offensive line. So we could just see more running, you know, over the next couple of weeks, you know, just with them trying to get into the playoffs and be healthy. And if they do, um, no matter what version of their offense we see, like, look, Rojo's going to be, he'll be in our top 24. Yeah. 100%. And I would even say, I think as we probably get closer to Sunday, we would move him closer to that RB12 range. Like, I don't see anything, man, even from last night, that suggests that Bond's going to come close to splitting uh, this work. And to Rojo's credit, I mean, even going back to last year, he's always been pretty damn good as a rusher. Now, his hands are terrible. Like, the one example <laughs> I always pull up was that Bears game last year where he caught a touchdown pass. The ref said it was incomplete, and Rojo was like, all right, yeah, you know. Cool. <laughs> I usually don't catch anything. I'm not going to argue. He, he, agree with it they showed the replay and he caught yeah. it and the bucks coaches didn't challenge it because road you know how many times do we see wide receivers like ask for balls to be challenged that are like rolling on the ground for five seconds rojo uh, <laughs> yeah. couldn't even do that so last running back uh, to go over is jeff wilson 110 yards in a rushing touchdown on sunday also caught two passes and probably even more importantly, 88% snap rate. That is what the cool kids like to call elite. And Dwayne, it is a quick turnaround on the Thursday night. So this is one of those situations where if Elijah Mitchell is back, then Wilson isn't even going to be, you know, a flex option. If he is, you know, it's not going to be a very one money feel good out. But if Mitchell's out, man, Jeff Wilson might find himself in that RB1 range. Yeah. I mean, I think Jeff Wilson, you just think of him as being, you know, that mid range to high end RB two any week that you don't have Mitchell. Um, I don't want to say RB one, cause then some of you guys get pissed off when he gives you an <laughs> RB 15, you know, performance. 
Um, look, most folks were off Wilson, you know, despite the only the $5,000 tag on DK this week, I think like his owners, his roster ship was like 10% or something. I can't remember, but like, so, so folks that recency bias is real. Um, so don't overreact to this. Um, but look, he had Elijah Mitchell's role and we've talked about it for a few different weeks. So if you have the lead back in a run heavy offense, like the 49ers that also happens to run one of the best schemes for running backs, like, look, you just take it anytime you can get it and you start it. All right, so breaking down these six guys, I think there's a pretty clear tier cutoff. And this is assuming, we're going to go ahead and assume that Mixon plays. That, yeah, let's assume Mixon plays. I don't think there's too much reason to believe at this point that he's going to be out. So Ronald Jones, is, I think, should be the top one. We're getting him this week, probably next week even. And he's the freaking Tampa Bay Buccaneers lead running back. After that, we have Jeff Wilson, who we probably – like Jeff Wilson and Justin Jackson, to me, are in the same tier. Maybe they get one more week. It's probably not going to be two. And we are looking at situations where less so with Wilson, more so with Jackson, where uh, there's going to be some split touches going on. After that, Duke, I'm with you. I do see Gaskin probably getting more control of his backfield. We don't really know. Craig. Reynolds similar situation where Jamal Williams should be back and again there's no way the Lions are going to win another game this year by that many points maybe I'm wrong there is a way it is theoretically possible um unlikely we'll go with that instead and we talked about P Ryan so Dwayne you know Rojo Jeff those are the only guys that you know I think have a chance at being ranked in our top 15 top 20 like no matter what goes on here and then tear gap Justin Jackson, Duke, yeah. Reynolds, P. Ryan. I agree. Like the only other way, P. Ryan would, but we would have to hear for sure that Mixon was out. Yes. These others, yeah. I don't think you're going to get enough clarity before game time um, to really be able to rank them, you know, very high. I, I agree with the guys that you have named. Um, and look, I know you've got some others down here, but like Devin, I was going to mention Devin Singletary. Mm. For some reason, he is available. Like he is, um, he's arrested the way low end RB2 that can give you some upside. Like he, he's taken over the backfield over the last two weeks. He had 81% of the snaps in week 14. This uh, past week, he was over 90%. And this past week, he also handled, you know, a ton of the rushing attempts. And part of that was because we had Josh Allen, you know, having to, you know, he's trying to get over a foot injury, but that could linger over the next couple of weeks. But the, but the main thing is you got Singletary now down to just really a two-way backfield with he and Brita. Uh, and Brita hardly played at all yesterday. So yeah. I think we're in a really good spot with Devin Singletary. So if if he was available, I would still rank him, though, probably after Rojo yeah. just because of the upside Rojo gives you. But then he would sneak in ahead of Wilson and Jackson because I think right now like we have to treat him like he's won this role for the rest of the year. Would you put Deontay Foreman if available, which he's like 70% plus rostered, so I don't think he's available I think he fits down there with Duke and Reynolds and P. Ryan and those guys. Honestly, like, I would bank on, like, maybe one of those other players gives you more upside eventually because we've just seen, like, the Titans backfield, they're not changing. They're going to use three guys. Like, they've pretty much, they've given us the blueprint. Whereas one of these other situations could actually change. Like, if they shut down Jamal Williams, then all of a sudden we'd be like, okay, I'll start Reynolds over Deonta Foreman. Like, if all I got to worry about is just him and, you know, uh, God win, you know, so... Just to quickly recap, Ronald Jones, the number one waiver wire running back edition of the week. After him, Jeff Wilson. Keep an eye on that Elijah Mitchell news because if we find out Mitchell's good, Wilson's going to be relegated to basically next to nothing. Then Devin Singletary, if available, probably not, but you could imagine what it'd be like if he was. Then Justin Jackson, Tear Gap, Deontay Foreman, Duke Johnson, Craig Reynolds, and Samaje Pirine. 
we got some wide receivers here, Dwayne. I think it's kind of similar to last week where, yeah, like we don't need to spend 20 minutes breaking down these guys. I think they've actually kind of established themselves. There's nothing too crazy to talk about except maybe with Tampa Bay. So I'm just going to run through these real quick. Amonra St. Brown balling over these past three weeks, and he's got a matchup against Atlanta, one of just three defenses to allow over 30 explosive plays to slot receivers, 25th in overall passing yards allowed out of the slot. Like Amonra St. Brown, we got Russell Gage, similar number one receiver in the slot and a good matchup against the Lions. We just saw what Christian Kirk did in the secondary. I think both those guys are going to be, if not in the top 30, pretty damn close. Definitely in the top 36. We also got Gabriel Davis. We're talking upside wide receiver threes all the way around here at worst with Gabriel Davis. The way I know I saw you tweeting some information earlier that, you know, was basically reflective of what we already talked about last week in terms of against man coverage teams, there's Stefan Diggs, then there's Gabriel Davis. Like they are featuring Davis ahead of Beasley. And when he was on the field ahead of Emmanuel Sanders against man coverage this year, New England has the fifth most plays in two man cover zero and cover one. So looks like a good enough matchup for him. I think it's a slight tear drop off after that to Marquez Valdez Scantling. We know when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, big things can happen. Like he's playing incredible football ball right now. I think he's had like a 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions over his last four games. Like you were starting to hear MVP murmurs with that said, it's always Devonte Adams. Number one, after that, it could be MVS. It could also be Alan Lazard uh, behind him, Nick Westbrook, Akini, someone to keep an eye on with that said, man, Teron Davenport, who was kind enough to um, does great work at ESPN for the Titans. And he was on this podcast back uh, in the offseason when we did our uh, 32 and 32 beat writer series. He's actually pretty confident that AJ Brown gets activated this week and is back in action for Thursday. So keep an eye on that. If AJB is back, then no, we would not be in on Nick Westbrook. I'm not really in on him, period, but he is at least, you know, a projected number one receiver that will be in the top 48 at a minimum. And then is for the real conversation, Dwayne, and that is what to make out of these Tampa Bay receivers. And I think it's Tyler Johnson above all the rest of them, because we're probably going to see a three wide receiver set with Antonio Brown, obviously Tyler Johnson in the slot. And then I would think Scotty Miller slash Bashad Perryman splitting that field stretcher role. We do need to see Perryman get activated off the COVID list, but more than anything, it's going to be the AB and it's going to be the Gronk show being the main beneficiaries. If there was going to be a third option to hang your hat on though, man, I do think it's Tyler Johnson because we've talked about it throughout this year. He was almost out of position filling in for Antonio Brown during that time ideally he should be that slot receiver and now like going ahead without chris goblin for the rest of the year they need to find a third option i think it's going to be tyler johnson if it's going to be anyone yeah no and that's what we've seen in the utilization that's really um you know he is there to be godwin's replacement like they kind of have a direct replacement for everybody in the pecking order like mike evans is brashad perriman right it's out gonna play mostly outside wants you to stretch the field tyler johnson wants to work inside or play the z and then you have really um darden is really meant to be ab's kind of backup although he hadn't been able to do it as well you know and then scotty miller can also play outside but he's more of a field stretcher kind of along the lines of Perriman. so it'll, it can be some combination of these guys replacing these roles but i think the big takeaway really is ab is probably in for huge target share you know when he gets back gronk we already saw it starting last night i know they weren't able to really make it work like there were several passes that you know gronk just couldn't come down with but i would agree that the third um in line when everything's really working right would be Tyler Johnson. So to recap, Dwayne, would you put him in that top tier with the Monroe, St. Brown, no. Russell Gage, and Gabe Davis? No. Okay. Nope. I think that's fair. We are talking about guys that in St. Brown and Gage's case, 
true number one options in their passing game. And with, uh, you know, Gabriel Davis, we're still out of number two in a pass heavy offense. So Amon Ross St. Brown, Russell Gage, Gabriel Davis. These are upside wide receiver threes that you should feel confident starting in week uh, fifth, in week 16, excuse me, and beyond after that. Would you go Tyler Johnson ahead of MBS? Uh, probably that's not. Where, that's like, where it's like, close. I feel though. like they're in the same tier. Yeah. Like, uh, and I mean, MVS to me, like just is starting to come on. So it's like, I, I, I feel like MVS has more upside, but I could be wrong. But okay. I think same tier. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't really want anything to do with Nick Westbrook, Kenny, either way. I don't even, uh, if AGB N- NWI, is I don't want any part of NWI. I think it's really cool, man. Like we can eventually come up with some like NWA, you know, like <laughs> have that logo, but make it NWI. But I don't think we're at uh, that point yet. Monroe St. Brown, Russell Gage, Gabriel Davis, Teardrop off, Tyler Johnson, MVS. Great day to be great. And I just saw in one waiver wire article, like Christian Kirk was being thrown out there. So for the love of God, if Christian Kirk is on your waiver wire, go get that guy. Low end wide receiver two, the best way with DeAndre Hopkins out of the picture. Now with tight end, it's gross. And again, this is similar to quarterback where I really just hope you guys kind of have an option at this point. I'd be kind of surprised if anyone's too, uh, you know, down bad at tight end because we didn't really have any key injuries last week. And obviously the buys are gone. So we do have James O'Shaughnessy playing his near every down roll, getting six targets in the atrocious offense. We also got Zach Gentry. Okay. There was the one injury, Pat Fryermuth with a concussion, but Zach Gentry, this isn't the same thing where like when Ebron was out, we had Fryermuth there, you know, when Logan Thomas was out, we had Ricky Seals Jones. I do not trust Zach Gentry as the same, you know, capable receiver. And in this Pittsburgh passing game, we've seen it all year long. The only real consistency is Deontay Johnson. And behind him, the only real consistency is the general inconsistency involved with everyone. We do have Evan Ingram in a good matchup against the Eagles. CJ Uzoma against a, against a Baltimore defense that Joe Burrow absolutely shredded last time around because Burrow murders the blitz and the Ravens blitz more than just about anyone. Finally, Cole Komet against the Seahawks. Every down roll, Fields in a good matchup. The only problem is Jimmy Graham and his no trade clause are going to steal some red zone looks uh, when you least want him to slash expect it. So, you know, Dwayne, I think it's Komet, Uzoma, and Ingram, I think, are in the upper tier with this. If you want to kind of flip that ranking around, I don't blame you. And then I don't want anything to do with O'Shaughnessy or Gentry. No, I think it's Komet and then Ingram, just because Ingram we've seen, you know, whenever they don't have a slot option, we've got Sterling Shepard out for the season. Yeah, at this that's point, you know, I think Ingram is slightly ahead of Uzama. You know, and Ingram's one of these guys, like I know, like the the underlying athleticism, like is still there. Um, it's just, you know, a matter of him. He, he needs he needs an escape route, Ian. Like he needs to be out of the Giants organization. <laughs> you know, he's the kind of player we can see next year and be like, oh wow, look at him, tight end seven. You know, <laughs> that could definitely happen. But I think Komet's first, then Ingram, then Uzoma, and Uzoma, you know, is a complete punt play every week. Yeah. Like he he could be tight end thirty, he could be tight end you know ten. I think he's got one or two tight end one performances. Yeah, Dwayne, he does. But the floor yeah, is so low. <laughs> Yeah, and just some more news, just as we're sitting here, Jared Goff is now going on to the COVID-19 list. So uh, just for folks thinking back to the quarterback section, you'll have to keep an eye on that, you know, when you're thinking about, you know, who you're going to pick up. Who are we going to? It's not Blau, right? Or it is Blau or Boyle? I think it would be Boyle, but it didn't say. David Blau, the magic man. (laughs) Now you see me, now you don't. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh uh, we had golf on the COVID list let's see if there's anything else Giants shutting down Daniel Jones for the year please for the love of God don't play Mike Glennon unless you hate yourself 
Um, Teddy Bridgewater looking like he's going to miss a week. So Drew Locke is in there. You know, you just pissed much- all the dogs off, Ian, with that comment about Glennon. <laughs> as much as I, uh, you know, stand for Drew Locke being an entertainingly bad quarterback. Yeah, let's not play him in fantasy. That's my expert analysis there. And I think that about does it. Dwayne, any final thoughts? No, I mean, I let my dogs close it out. My wife just walked in, so they're in there howling. But no, I think this is it. Hopefully you don't need a tight end. Like that was the most, uh, that was kind of like watching paint dry, like listening to that part of our of our uh, waiver wire edition. All right, everyone. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. We're going to change up the schedule just a little bit. I don't want to do our game-by-game preview episode before, like, all the games are actually over with because that could render, you know, literally four teams completely useless. So I'm not going to wait until Thursday to push it out, but Dwayne and I are going to record on Wednesday. Maybe we'll do it live. Like, I don't know. Crazier things have happened. I'm not against it. I'm just thinking about it right now as we're going through this. Either way, you know, it'll just be up on, like, Wednesday afternoon instead of Wednesday morning. So please. Don't be alarmed if you don't see the podcast in there Wednesday morning because it won't be. It'll be there just a bit afterwards. So thank you, as always, for tuning in. We'll be back. Got you covered. Hope these playoffs are treating you well and keep on grinding because all the same problems that are hurting your fantasy team are also hurting everyone else out there. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Until next time, take care, everybody.